Welcome to Awakening Lands. In seeking ways to better serve leaders and weavers and the regenerative movement, we'll be playing around with the formats of our episodes for a while. Part of that will be multiple episodes focused on particular regions in hopes that we can all more clearly see their stories of place. Today, we're trying something new that we hope will bring a spotlight to longtime conservationist from Buffalo and the Niagara River Strait, Jay Burney. I'm grateful for my family, for my friends, for my community. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to continue to do the work that I do, have the friends that I have, experience the love that I experience. And I'm obviously grateful for you know the biodiversity of life on Earth. I, I experience so much of that on a daily, hourly basis. And um, it's just, um, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Stepping through whatever we're feeling into a sense of gratitude just seems to challenge our limiting beliefs and, and open up a greater possibility for um, an, an optimistic and fruitful conversation. Um, I, I just want to say that I appreciate the ritual uh, that you're you're putting together here. Rituals connect us as humans. It, it, we have shared experiences and shared um, ideals that we get to um, talk about when we talk about what are what we're grateful for. When asked about the origin of his deep connection to nature, his passion for conservation, and his love and care for life, he gave a sense of the depth of his devotion and a glimpse behind his purpose. So I, I just started my eighth decade on the planet uh, this year, and I've been doing this work all of my life. So I'm going to say that I have 70 years of experience working <laughs> in conservation, the environment. In, in my earliest life, uh, when I was even in grade school, I was interested in that stuff, and um, I even did things like science projects that focused on um, biodiversity, clean water, clean air. Jay shared with us that while he is a successful environmental advocate, his professional background is not in science, but in storytelling. It was a job in media that brought him to the Buffalo area, and he soon found himself in a community of outdoors people and well along his pathway towards becoming a conservationist. I came to run a department at the University of Buffalo that was about um, producing um, media. And um, I immediately took some of my talents, which included bird watching and outdoors uh, experiences, uh, and started you know, capturing what was here on film. Uh, film was real back then. I'm talking about um, 16 millimeter, um, 8 millimeter, and then video. And sharing those experiences. And sharing those experiences got me some exposure and uh, got me into some political circles that that helped uh, me help shape some policies uh, on on various government levels uh, from extremely local uh, to you know state and even federal. Uh, and so uh, as that grew, um, as that exposure grew, uh, I was always in a position where I could basically speak what I thought had to be spoken to. So I ran a, a group called the Learning Sustainability Campaign, Buffalo Urban Institute of Ecology. Uh, we held community meetings and, and um, roundtables. And it, it just I just wanted to build a, a community a constituency for the environment. And several decades on, Jay is still going, continuing to do big things for the environment surrounding Buffalo and, as he calls it, the Niagara River Strait. He now hosts a festival of celebration of one of the central storylines of a special part of the world. Birds of Niagara is about birds. We here in the Great Lakes and in Buffalo 
birds connect us. Birds connect us to the Arctic and birds connect us to the Amazon. So for instance, in the wintertime, which we're just getting into right now, we have hundreds of species of Arctic uh, birds that come and spend the winter here uh, because traditionally uh, the Niagara River has the first open waters when you're coming south. And with that comes food and habitat and socialization. The birds that depend on the Arctic, that breed in the Arctic, come here in the wintertime. In the summertime, we have birds, neotropical birds, for instance, that come from the Amazon, from the tip of South America, from Central America, from the Caribbean, uh, and they breed here. We have birds that make babies here that depend on our habitat that go back and populate the Amazon. We're responsible for them. And so I say to people, let's make the local connections. You want to protect the earth, protect the Amazon, protect uh, Arctic. Let's do it right here because these animals depend on our work here. Birds on the Niagara, an annual winter birding festival, is all about connection. Jay has made it his mission to make it accessible to all by promoting a diversity of participation. Uh, conservation movement has traditionally uh, been about people that look like me, um, mostly males, sometimes females, white, white people, and um, other cultures, whether indigenous cultures, people of color, immigrant cultures, are often not involved in uh, or included in, in decision-making or even that kind of enjoyment. So one of the things with Birds of Niagara, besides the incredible bird and conservation issues, is we want to make sure that we bring people to us and we go to people in the community and regionally and say, we have to work together. If we don't understand that we're all part of this problem and hopefully part of the solution, um, you know, you go your separate ways and, and don't worry about including other people in your thoughts. But I mean, it's, it's a human, um, human mindset that you have to sometimes find a way to, to, to reach into a little bit and, and um, change. And Birds on Niagara is not all that Jay does, not by a long shot. He also brings the conversation to the ground, to people, to backyards, which is resulting in some real regeneration. Pollinator Conservation Association. And we do projects in communities, in neighborhoods, in landscapes, waterscapes, airscapes, uh, that bring people together to talk about uh, how do you protect these pollinators? What, what are you doing? Um, we start by uh, talking about what pollinators we should have here, what we want to protect, different native bees, different native butterflies. And then we start talking about the, the habitat that they need. Uh, and uh, it always goes to native plants. And uh, as we build the movement towards uh, native landscaping, waterscaping, that brings communities together. And, and we've done a number of projects, and uh, they continue to grow. And the community engagement continues to grow. Uh, we're now talking about pollinator conservation on a much bigger scale than we were when we started 10 years ago. Tens of thousands of acres. Uh, both rural, urban, and even in your backyard. If you grow native plants, square foot of native plants, uh, or 100 square feet of native plants, you're contributing to conservation and protection. And Jay is also offering up a cause that the entire community of the Niagara River Strait can use to rally around. It's a 30 by 30 global initiative to conserve 30% of nature by 2030. 
you know, we're, we're working on this 30 by 30 campaign, uh, saving 30% of um, land, water, air by the year uh, 2030. And when we first started talking about it not that long ago, uh, the idea of 30 by 30 was permanently preserving land and water. Well, when we realized that, it kind of made urban areas or semi-urban areas or even agricultural areas uh, non-participants. If you look at the 30 by 30 strategy in, for instance, New York State, you're basically going to focus on the Adirondacks because that's where most of the permanently protected land is. So we said, well, wait a minute. This is such an important thing to everybody. Why don't we build a program here to both understand what it is and try to figure out how to do it here? So we started talking about how we can work towards a goal of 30% by 3030 uh, in by 2030 in an urban area. And so that's that's kind of a, a really new strategy that I haven't really heard about anywhere else. Um, and so we're in it. Jay recognizes that in order to meet these goals and to make any meaningful change, a cultural shift is needed. He makes a compelling case for us to take a good look at our current system of economics, the way we currently practice it, and how to reorient it to make the health of our environment and our planet, the bottom line. Uh, I used to run a group called the Learning Sustainability Campaign, and we had you know big conferences. Um, Jane Goodall, David Suzuki, big Paul Hawk, and big thinkers come and talk about sustainability. And what we learned is, um, first of all, sustainability is about a bunch of different things. It's about the environment as the bottom line, which is what you know I've I've put forth all of my life. It's about uh, culture. Uh, which means it's about society and social justice, and it's about the economy. Now, the problem is, I think that the environment has to be the bottom of the line. The way that we practice our economy, uh, and I'm talking about global capitalism, for lack of a better context, but there's a lot of different ways to describe it. Uh, it doesn't care about the environment. It doesn't even care about people. It cares about one thing, one thing. You know what that is? At profit. And often profit is not measured by the impacts uh, and the negatives that profit creates. So, for example, and David Suzuki taught me this, if you uh, are a, um, a logging industry uh, and you look at a forest, you look at it, what's its value? It's the board feet. It's the, you know, whatever costs associated with getting that timber to the marketplace. Well, what about the impacts of the destruction of that forest? impacts on clean water, clean air, human health, biodiversity, cultural disruption. What about those? What about those? Isn't that, isn't that an expense? Well, um, economists say no. Uh, those are external, external to the profits. So we don't measure them. So what we have is an incredible loss uh, to our planet. And Jay leaves us with a bit of hope, with some community art that's unfolding as we speak in Buffalo. It's a symbol that's popping up around town of a stick figure with a speech bubble indicating it's talking about love. This is called stick figure, and it's got a heart. It's stick figure love. This is such an important message, and the community conversation about what this means has grown incredibly in the last six months. I mean, this person is doing this art. Uh, everyone was recognizing that it was there, but it was kind of obscure. What does it mean? What does it mean? Oh, it's terrible. It's graffiti. Get rid of it. And suddenly, oh, it's about love. It's about unity. It's about love. And the whole community has started talking differently about you know, that and public art and graffiti. 
Public art is a, is a media, it's a media, and the message is in the media. It's a way of community building. Thanks for listening. If you're feeling a jolt of inspiration, if you'd like to support Anna and me in our ongoing efforts to tell these stories, you can donate to us on our Patreon at Awakening Lands. Links for all of this can be found in the show notes. Thanks, and please tell your landscape we said hello. Hello.